Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan, and this is actually my official first day of season number seven because uh, – this is the day it seems to always start, a Monday uh, in January. Uh, so my first guest is Yvonne Fuchs of uh, Quilting Jet Girl. We're going to talk some uh, quilting today. So hi, Yvonne. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you today? I'm, I'm great. I wish the sun was out, but, you know, maybe, maybe in your part of the world the sun is out. It's like not Just here. for today, we... We have a lot of snow coming our way, though, so. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay, I'll take the clouds instead. So, okay, so first I have to ask you, because I absolutely love your site name, Quilting Jet Girl, Sewing at the Speed of Sound, you're my kind of person. Um, you have a little background that goes with that name. What is it? I do. So I'm a, actually a former aerospace engineer who stepped away from that career in 2014 and became a quilter, and now I'm a Pattern designer and blogger, and the whole speed of oh, sewing at the speed of sound tagline is a little bit of a nod to the fact that I was on a small team that designed, built, and tested the second privately funded aircraft to exceed the speed of sound. That's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of an airplane nerd in a way, so I like to follow that stuff. A lot of aviation in my family. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so... When when you decided to um, do your quilting sort of full-time, how long have you been quilting prior to that? So I actually made my first quilt when I was in high school, and so at this point it's been a little over 20 years that I've been sewing and quilting. Um, my paternal grandmother introduced me to it, um, and I made quite a few quilts uh, as I finished out my high school career, and then I had a bit of a lull. And in 2008, it really took off because instead of getting married, all my friends were having babies. And baby oh. quilts were just, <laughs> you know, the sweet spot, something I could make and have done um, mm-hmm. by the time they were around. So, yeah. 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 I, I can't tell you how many people babies spur on a quilt mania for people. They just, they're fun to do, right? Yeah. They are fun to do, and it's just so gratifying. It's a nice way to uh, spread love around the world, I think. So, you know, your style, I bet, is different now than when you were quilting in high school. Yes, it's quite different. So I started out uh, very much more traditionally than what I am doing and exploring now in my in my designs and work. So, so Yvonne, I'm really curious, you know, what sort of path did you go on? Because I consider your work a much more clean-lined, uh, maybe a leaning towards minimalist, which I think is just gorgeous and you have gorgeous work uh how did that happen for you did something spark it or what so for me um again when I left my job it was more to focus on at that time my idea with being a quilter was to do commission quilt works so I was still Mm -hmm. very much in the mindset of you know my friends were wanting me to make quilts for them and they were willing to pay me and this is awesome we'll explore this and see what happens and then over Mm -hmm. time to kind of fill in now that I had all this time to quilt, I started mm-hmm. um, 
exploring out into my own design work. And I just found that I was very attracted to the modern movement and um, solids, so using solid fabrics and how graphic that can be. Um, and so that evolution was a, a slower process, well, over the past couple of years, just uh, mm-hmm. exploring my design style and, and what really attracted me. Yeah. And I, I I love it when I can see somebody's work, and I think I do it with your work, and I go, oh, okay, you know, they definitely they're they're cohesive, and you can see how they work together. They're also fairly symmetrical to me. Um, not all of them, but they still have a symmetrical element. Do you think your engineering brings that in? Oh, I definitely think that my engineering has influenced um, <laughs> my very angular lines and, and some of that. And like you said, symmetry is very strong um, thing in my quilt patterns. Even if it's uh, an asymmetrical design, you can find symmetry within the, some of the subunits, you know, of, mm-hmm. of uh, the quilt patterns that I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I noticed because I was looking at it before we talked, and I was looking at the one that you're going to have. Um, I think you're going to have in QuiltCon uh, the navy one. That's got oh, Beacon. The, yeah, that one is the one where it's like, okay, there's some, there's symmetry, but then there's asymmetry, but it's all very balanced. Right, right. And again, very crisp and graphic with the mm-hmm. dark contrast between the dark navy and the white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you did a gorgeous photo out with amazing mountains behind you. <laughs> that's <laughs> yep. Believe it or not, that's actually um, Carrizo Plain, which is right along the San Andreas Fault out here in uh California. Yeah, it's just it's gorgeous, gorgeous photo. Uh, the other thing that that you do that I also like to do, Yvonne, is sew with others. You know, you do a lot of group projects, right? I sure do. So I do love to sew with others, but uh, I'm kind of in a small mountain town. I'm living in a town. Um, that was the best place to live for my previous engineering job, and my husband still works at that former company. But there aren't a whole lot of quilters that I sew with locally, so I've kind of turned the online community into my uh, quilting bee and my quilting group. So I do a lot of activities online in terms of uh, block hops where we will um, all create blocks and then send them in and put them into quilts to donate to charity uh, and things like that. Yeah. So what is one of your favorite things? Do you, well, first of all, do you organize them or you just sort of participate in them? So I organize them. I um, mm-hmm. am a co-host of the New Quilt Bloggers Blog Hop, which has been going on for many years. Beth at Plum and June actually kicked that off many years ago and then uh, transitioned over to me and a few other friends three years ago. And this year mm-hmm. uh, we're about to kick that off again. And then out of that, we grew into a New Quilt Block Group design group as well. Oh, so how does that first one work that, um, the new, the new, what's it called? New blogger one? Yeah, the new quilt blogger. So it's really, um, for people that are new to the blogging world, we're looking for bloggers that have been active for about, um, three years or fewer and are interested in finding a little bit of community and how to interact and getting technical details about how to, you know, run their blogs and behind the scenes kind of information. And it's really just a nice social aspect and way for people to connect with one another. Oh, that is great because uh, the, People documenting their work um, for 
pleasure or for them be a business. Um, it's nice when you first start to get some tips from somebody else. Uh, exactly. And it's, you know, it talks about everything from quilt photography to how to leave comments and interact with people. Yeah. I know. Simple. And, and that's changed a lot, hasn't it? It has, yeah. Social media continues to evolve, and we're all learning. <laughs> right. Well, you know, everything changes. I was just having this conversation with some other business people. It's like the industry, everything changes so much. You just have to move and move and shake where it goes. Because are you doing a lot on Instagram? Oh, absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's where there's a lot of community that's built, and a lot of the. Um, but but it's harder to in some ways harder to share because you can only do one picture. (laughs) It's like. (laughs) Exactly. But it's really fast feedback if that's what you're looking for. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. People are scrolling and really, uh, really saying what's going on. Now I um, wanted to know a little bit about transparency and as far as how you, you yourself, you like to use that technique of making your quilt have a transparency mode to it. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So I was first introduced to transparency uh, when I was working on a quilt by that was designed by uh, Weeks Ringle and Bill Kerr. Uh, it's actually the quilt that's on my bed right now. And oh. um, I really liked that technique. And um, that was probably about eight years ago. And then, like I said, as I've been sort of exploring my own style and the things that I like, I have found that I really like these overlapping um, designs and where you have this fade and sort of watercolor effect. And I also like how transparency is um, letting light in and it's like a stained glass effect and um, filtration. And it's got all these other kind of background subtle nuances that um, add some interest to me um, more than just technically designed, but um, emotionally and connectively to a quilt. Do you find that it's easier to do that shading with solids or do you play around with it with prints as well? Um, so I think that it's quite easy to do with solids and um, mm-hmm. manufacturers like Robert Kaufman with their, their very big Kona solids make that lovely for you with their color card. But I really do like playing around with it with solids as well. There are some modern fabric designers that uh, over a range of their fabric lines, make it easy for you, like Carolyn Friedlander, um, some of the Allen, Allison Glass fabrics, or Lizzie House, are very modern blenders that uh, play very well together. So when you go to do that sort of shading, Yvonne, do you lay it out on a table? Do you do swatches? What works for you? So I use several techniques. Um, a lot of times I'm doing my design work on the computer, so I'll start with online swatches um, mm-hmm. and put them side by side, but you're never 100% sure if the online is going to match the real life. So I will move to the point where I order the fabric and get some swatches in hand. And I do like to see them uh, in person with my eyes that the colors are <laughs> blending well. But I really love taking a photograph then of the, of the fabrics and turning mm-hmm. it into a black and white image. And it will show you if you're getting the tone right. Your eyes will show you the color value, like the mm-hmm. colors if they're mixing well, and then the black and white will show you if that value is getting the transition steps that you would like. So I have just, we have just about a minute. Is there a particular quilt on your website or a place that you talk about this that people can learn a little bit more? So I actually do have a wide range of tutorials on my website, and there is a um, transparency tutorial where I talk through just how to do that and turning the images into black and white. Yay! You <laughs> 
Sometimes you have to hear it, you have to read it, then you got to do it, right? That's exactly, exactly. Um, so I always I have to ask you a, a, a fun question. What I consider a fun question because I'm just nosy. Um, how many scissors do you own? Oh my goodness! So <laughs> I have three scissors in my sewing room, one in the kitchen. I have one that I use to cut my hair and my husband's hair. A first aid <laughs> kit, and I think. Um, I think we have something like eight or ten scissors in our garage because we're crazy. So that's like 14 to 16 scissors in the house, which seems like a whole lot. <laughs> I'm afraid to count mine. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that just keeps multiplying in my studio. I don't know how it happens, but. I know, and I, when I go out, I'm always so tempted when I see a blue-handled pair because blue is my favorite color. I'm like, oh, those, mm-hmm. those should just come home with me. <laughs> well, Yvonne, this has been so much fun. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. Everybody can visit Yvonne at quiltingjetgirl.com and check everything out. We'll be right back. Choose from more than 100 of your favorite patterns from American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilts and More, and Quilt Sampler, all available online. Buy downloadable patterns today at apqshop.com. Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg, Executive Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases and creating smiles. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or many more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You'll create just as many smiles. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com backslash million pillowcases. Quilt along with us in 2016. Join our third annual quilt along by making a quilt, a one block pillow, or all four projects featuring plus sign designs. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quilt along for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun. Follow American Patchwork and Quilting on Pinterest to find ideas for bags, baby projects, pillowcases, storage and organization, and more. Visit Pinterest.com backslash APQ Magazine to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. We're going to spend the next two segments with one guest. That's always so much fun. Paula Nadelstern is here, and I know you've seen her stunning quilts. They are just absolutely amazing because I've seen you at a show standing there trying to figure it all out. And if you've not had the opportunity to actually meet Paula in person at a workshop or standing next to her quilts, then the next half hour you're going to be uh, learning and enjoying, just like I am, having a chance to have Paula all to ourselves. So, Paula, I'm so glad Hi. you're here. <laughs> Thank you. I'm honored. I'm very pleased to be here. 
I know that you are in the midst, like deep into fabric design, which must, you know, that's a, that's a big thing. So I appreciate you being able to sort of break away for, uh, half an hour. <laughs> it's no problem. It just, it just means I'm really thinking in color rather than in words. I really find a difference. I, I'm not as articulate while I'm designing fabric for those, those six weeks because I, I, I seriously am so involved in um, the nuance of color. I know. We're gonna, I'm going to ask you some a bit about that sort of process in a bit, but let's start a little bit further back um, because really I'm interested in how you found quilt making how did it did you make them as a kid did you have quilters in your family no no quilting in my family first generation um quilter and i really think that um my fascination um although i made i made my first quilt in my college dorm at the Mm -hmm. age of 17 i brought my little featherweight with me and ripped up all my clothes into 10 inch squares and sewed it back together and called it a quilt, although I had no intention of doing that little stitchy thing that people do, you know, to make it a quilt. I really made a comforter cover, but was very, very, you know, very into patchwork. But I really think it had a lot to do with the hippie culture and influence that was going on, you know, in the late 60s, early 70s. I was just trying on every single craft, um, macrame, Mm -hmm. crochet, um, needlepoint, and just kept coming back to quilting because you know i love fabric so much and it gave me a chance to really play with a lot of color although if you don't mind my saying at the time i actually thought i was not making quilts the correct way because the very few books that were out at the time and there Mm -hmm. weren't many in the they all showed like fabrics made out of like two color two fabric i mean quilts made out of two fabrics or three fabrics and i figured someday i'll be a real quilter and i'll make a like a a quilt out of three fabrics, but for now, I couldn't control it. For now, I, I would put as many fabrics as I possibly could in a quilt because that's what intrigued me. But I really didn't think that that was the right way to do it. Oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah, because, I, you know, I just made me think my first quilt, which was a magazine project, was, I think, three fabrics that, you know, that was huh. it. Right, that and was I was all- already, just like now, I'm allowed to use, I know we're going to talk about fabric a little bit, but yeah, right. I'm allowed to use 18 colors in a print, and I'm always whining, well, how come I can't use 20? I need 20. I need that <laughs> other color. And I feel that, you know, one of the reasons I do, I think, uh, kaleidoscopic work or just work like that is I want to have as much, I think more is more, and I want to have as much color and as much fabric as possible. I just love the relationship between the fabrics, and I did it. I did back then. I I always make a joke that my first real quilt, in terms of it being, you know, one colorway or one mm-hmm. was snowflakes. But really, even in that, there were about sixty different shades of blues. Yeah, yeah. That those are those are amazing. Thank um, you. You you are lucky enough, I think, to have seen some major exhibits early on in your career. Um, such I saw the Whitney in, show in 1971 of the yes. um, Amish quilts, and that was pretty. That was pretty incredible. I was already, you know, quilting, and and mm-hmm. very. I did. I didn't know much about it, but I, I had seen Amish quilts in like some calendar or or mm-hmm. that that sort of thing. It's one of the perks of living in New York City is that you do get to see some of that. When when you started, then around, you know, like even like in the 80s or whatever, did you find a guild? Did you join up with other people or were you sewing by yourself? I was sewing by myself for the first, you know, um, from the 70s. And then I joined about um, the Manhattan Quilters Guild started about 37 years ago 
um, when one of the members, um, the original member, Karen Birkenfeld, put an ad in a quilter's newsletter magazine and basically said, would anyone like to quilt with me on the Upper West Side of Manhattan? And I didn't join at that time. I was the mom of a young kid, and I was a stay-at-home mom, and it wasn't easy for me to get out in the evening. So, But... Um, it was my goal to join the guild, and I and after when I did join, quote you know at least thirty years ago, I've been a member ever since, and that's been my, you know my main source of inspiration. These fellow, we're we're really a true family. We've constantly reinvented ourselves, and one of the biggest was that where we first you know those first ten years or so we sat in each other's apartments and you know <laughs> stitched um, once a month, and then. Um, the group was more interested in moving towards art quilts and and mm. just get a sense of of being a professional, you know, whatever that meant, being a professional artist. And we had mm-hmm. many quite, you know, we talked about that a lot. And we moved from meeting in someone's apartment where you could sort of slouch down onto the couch next to the person and just chit chat with them. We mm-hmm. we learned to rent a space and sit around a table so that everybody was, you know, kind of at the same level and focus on one person discussing. And we became a peer group um, that really critiqued work. And we've, we constantly have new members coming in and out um, over many years. We've reshaped ourselves, but we're still, um, still one of the most important elements of my life, the Manhattan Quilters Guild. We now exhibit, we are all art quilters, we consider ourselves mm-hmm. professional, which really means that, you know, the expectation that you will be at the guild when I'm at, you know, if I make the time right. to come to the guild, of, we're only 18, <laughs> we're 18 people, yeah. but that if we're invited to exhibit, that everyone's work will be of a, of a standard to exhibit, you'll provide photography mm-hmm. when needed, and um, that we, we have learned over the years not to be threatened by the word critique, that it doesn't mean criticism, and mm-hmm. some people... Of, uh, bring work in progress to discuss some, you know, when it's when it's more finished. But um, yeah, that's a very important group in my life. I think I think guilds or or at least a group of people to quilt with or to discuss quilting with is is something that everybody should experience at some point. Um, I agree. You know, I also I wanna, have another group I now. Talk uh, now about, that's my oops. go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say I want to talk about the kaleidoscope part of your work because that's how a lot of people think of your work. Um, and it had to have, you know, I I found your work when the Snowflake book came out. Uh, so you were already sort of doing that that type of thing. Uh, how did you start in this lifelong series based on quotes that look like kaleidoscope images? Well, I. I made my first kaleidoscope quilt in 1987, and I was inspired initially by a piece of fabric. I hadn't actually seen state-of-the-art kaleidoscopes. Uh, at that point, I did not love kaleidoscopes as a little kid. It was, you know, that wasn't <laughs> my interest. So this beautiful piece of Liberty of London fabric, and if people in the audience haven't ever felt a piece, they must. You must go out and find a piece of Liberty of London fabric and feel it, because it it has very many threads per inch, and it feels like, just like almost like a piece of silk. Um, mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And I saw this piece in a, a store that at the time cost $36 for um, – no, excuse me. It was $16 for 36, for 36 mm-hmm. inches. You know, mm-hmm. that was – it wasn't even 44 inches. It was only 36 mm-hmm. inches wide. And it was the same engravings that Liberty had um, had used for, for since the late – like 1800s, and mm-hmm. it had symmetry. It had a design, even though it was only five colors, it had yeah. a design that 
intuitively I understood that there was like a middle to the pattern, in a set, like your backbone, like a spine, like, you know, where mm-hmm. the, I've learned to call that the axis of symmetry, the line that the pattern divides from, you know, mirror images, the left side is, you know, if you could fold, it would be the same as the right side, but mirrored. And that mm-hmm. fabric, um, I kept walking in and out of that store thinking, mm-hmm. oh, can I afford to buy, you know, a quarter yard of it for $4? Um, mm-hmm. Because it was before we'd actually in, invented the word effect, you know, the fat quarter. And mm-hmm. I, I, which, by the way, if anyone in the audience knows at what point we invented the fat quarter, I'm very curious. I've been trying to research that. So I just needed a strip across and Eventually, you know, I walked after an hour or so, I went in and I bought my $4 worth of fabric. And um, after that, I actually even did some work for Liberty and did um, and went back and, of course, bought more of the fabric. But really, mm-hmm. my kaleidoscope interest started from a beautiful piece of bilaterally symmetric fabric that was very expensive. And yeah. I actually have a funny story about that. Would you like to hear a very quick funny story about the, yeah. that fabric? Yeah, we're good. yeah if we have like a break at two minutes, so we'll okay. I'll give you like a, a, a bell if we get too close. So. All right. Ahead. I was teaching in and exhibiting in um, in Japan, and I was mm-hmm. asked to please stand up at the very beginning of that um, at a dinner and, and explain and tell something about myself. And, um, and I said that I had, and I had heard, this was not what I said. I said that, and I knew that a friend of mine had told me that when she, when she lectured at a Japanese, for the Japanese, she made a joke and everyone laughed. And she, mm-hmm. afterwards she asked her interpreter, like, what did you do? How did you, inter- how did you say, translate my words? And she, and he, the interpreter said, I told them the foreigner said something funny. And so oh. now I'm scared to actually talk because, but I were to tell a joke certainly. But as I was telling them this, I told them that how you know buying a, a very expensive piece of fabric had, you know, t- took me on this journey, uh, this this career of making kaleidoscope quilts, and it had taken me all this way to my exhibition in Japan and the honor of being there. And the moral to my story was buy that piece of fabric, no matter how expensive it it is. And they all laughed, and I wondered. Oh, did they actually translate it? And two days later, the man who was at the head of the of the pyramid that that the pyramid scheme, mm-hmm. the corporations that organized the show, came over to me wearing a piece of wearing a Liberty of London tie and said, "You see, I bought it. It was very expensive, but I bought it." So, <laughs> that was that my... is great. Yeah, that thank is... you. At least he translated like, you properly. Yeah, you know? I think <laughs> so. I've always had a great time in, in actually teaching in Japan. So. so what we're going to do, uh, Paula, is we're going to take a little break, and then when we come back, I want to talk about how you design fabric and your new book called Fabric – okay, you pronounce it. Fabric, fabric Cadabra, Simple there Quilt, that's, Complex Fabric. That's right. I had it in my head, and all of a sudden it slipped out. So when we come back, we'll do that because I want to hear sort of that process you go through. Um, so we'll take a little break. Be right back. Okay. Boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of American Patchwork and Quilting. Visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration. Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg. Join me for a fun video series called Show Me How, brought to you by Baby Luck. Each month, I'll show you how to complete a simple project from start to finish. Learn new techniques, see tips, and sew a great project with me. 
Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash videos to watch. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com. Take an ultimate shop-hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler, available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and we are chatting about fabric with Paula Nadelstern. Um, Paula, your fabrics are designed to be so well you know, formed for your, the work that you do. So, so I'm really curious because you're in the midst of designing fabric right now. Do you have, I mean, how does this work? Do you design quilts and then you make fabric to fit them or what is this? Well, I, I've broken fabric up into three main categories. There are prima donnas, which are those charismatic (laughs) fabrics that have sometimes, you know, symmetry, but, and typically Mm -hmm. you might want to fussy cut them. Then there are all overs that if you fold Onto it itself, there would, at that break, you, your eye would just move straight across the seam. You wouldn't be able to see mm-hmm. that they're, they're broken up. And then there are, um, directional. So perhaps a stripe or something that direct, that I'm very interested in what does the, uh, how does the eye move and creating things that are very dynamic and create a lot of visual action. So a, a stripe or, um, a directional fabric will just like slip the eye from here to there and create pathways. So I, it, within my designing the fabric, um, I want a fabric that fit in all of those categories. And, mm-hmm. um, and I actually, um, I have, I love that moment where I'm trying to figure out like let the, when the, when it's purely, when it's actually fabric and I'm exploring it as if I'm not the maker, but I'm also, I'm mm-hmm. the, you know, because you know, maker mm-hmm. of the fabric. I'm truly a maker of the object, and so I'm trying to, you know, let it reveal what can this fabric do. You know, what is, and I, I love being both of those, wearing both of those hats. Um, but I don't have any idea what the quilt, what the fabric's going to do, and I don't want it to be only used in my own mm-hmm. style. I want people to just use it to strip and cut it up randomly and cut it up. And that's, um, I can tell you more about the design fabric, but this is actually kind of a segue right into the new book that I've written because that's what this book is about. It's taking really simple, traditional quilt patterns, um, a nine-patch, a trip around the world, um, the old butterfly pattern, Thing, patterns like that and use and, and promoting the idea that simple quilt patterns can be transformed into visual spectacles by using these charismatic fabrics so that you're creating quilts that look dramatic and are co- complex, but they're really easy to piece. So that although I, you know, I, 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 I use, I'm using, I'm using my fabrics to create my art quilts and my kaleidoscope quilts, I also am using them to create, you know, really simple, simple quilts, but letting the fabric, the charismatic fabric, create, um, you know, a visual, a visual impact. And part of that is because I have a design strategy that I kind of fell into, you know, I did it, it mm-hmm. was like, like after when you're, you think, oh, I have nothing to write a book about, and you start to um, parse apart, like, what it is that you do, you realize, oh, this is what, you know, I do. And one of the things I do is where 
Where a traditional quilt, if you have a nine patch, the quilt is going to, you know, have a black square and then a white square and a black square and a white square. Mm -hmm. Your eye sees the contrast at the seams and your eye stops at the seams. And that's the point. But I don't let the eye stop at the seams. My patches are just really to get that charismatic fabric onto the flat surface of the quilt. And I am very conscious that when I get to the seam, do I want Mm -hmm. the eye to stop or just move, you know, across. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm creating these seamless connections most of the time. I'm camouflaging the seams, and I'm, um, I do that with, when I get to the seam um, very often. I'm using templates a lot, but when I get to a seam, I'm using a bit of the same background in the two patches so that, as I said, the eye just moves across, and you see, you don't see the, it looks like one whole piece, as if it's in a That's- kaleidoscope or anything. That's interesting because it's really how you're, you have to have a vision ahead of time rather than just sort of slicing along. So you're actually. No, actually I don't have a vision sometimes. I'm just letting, it's like if, if I'm working in a kaleidoscope, I'm just starting at the top of a triangle and I just Uh create these seamless connections and I could go from, you know, blues and reds in the middle to the, by the time I get to the outside, it's all yellows and oranges. But what's happening is your eye doesn't, doesn't stop at every patch. At the shape of the patch, it just keeps moving across mm-hmm. the seams. So, truthfully, I have no idea what it's going to look like until the last seam, and I don't even want to because when you, I wouldn't make it if I knew what it was going to look like. Because mm-hmm. you've got, um, you know, first you see two two triangles go together, and then the four triangles go, and it's not until the last seam that you get to be the one who makes the magic and the one who is surprised that you get to go, ooh, because you're yeah. not really sure what it's going to look like. And so now I'm using that same idea mm-hmm. with. Um, simple, you know, uh, as I said, a trip around the world because I'm starting in the center and then the next patch, you know, just your eye doesn't stop at the square. It just moves across until finally, you know, it's all together. Yeah, I'm looking at the one that is um, just nine patches and it's very impossible from the photo to tell that that's what it came from, you know, without but, reading it. It's and Thank you. That's one of the, what I love about this book is that you've got that simple diagram next to each one of the, you know, black and white diagram that shows you the simplicity of the actual piecing, that it's mm-hmm. just, a, you know, a lot of triangles or it's just squares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, also, what you've done in the book, which I think is great, is you have a lot of diagrams. You have a lot of places where you've shown the fabric um, in that in a square or whatever unit you're working, so that people can visualize how they they can um, maybe like duplicate how you look at it. Maybe that would be a good word. Yeah, I would, because I would, I'd like that. <laughs> yeah. That. And I'm using yeah. big pe- patches. You know, they're four inches. They're different sizes. But, um, you know, I think, I think the photography is pretty good. But you really get that sense of how one could camouflage the seams. Now, that doesn't, that isn't necessarily, it's a simple process. It's not necessarily an easy process. It is time-consuming. Um, but I'm just one of the ones who doesn't care how long it takes. You know, I, I love the process. I love create, seeing the relationship between two different fabrics, commercial fabrics that really didn't exist before. And um, so I don't really I will admit that some of these quilts, you know, might might take a while, but I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that intellectually, you know, you're enjoying the process and perhaps you don't mind that that it does to create something really beautiful. Yeah, there are a lot of people who do like to take time. We I'm I have a project this year called the Splendid Sampler, which is a lot of six inch blocks and they're very, very detailed. They take a lot of time. And there are lots of people who like to enjoy that whole 
picking the fabric part of it and getting it just right. Um, I'm in a group, a, a group of four. We've been dear friends for like 20 years, kind of, and we we have a little group that we we do some exhibiting called Semper Tedium, the Slow Art of Quilt Making. Mm. And we are the four of us realize that all of us rejoice in the we celebrate artwork created in as much time as it takes. And you know, people are always saying to us like. How long did it take? Or must you must be so so patient? And I feel like that kind of implies that anyone with time on their hands could make as an accomplished work if they wanted to. But I think it's it's you know not looking, it's overlooking the skill and the artistry and the dedication that it, mm-hmm. that it takes. You know, I think it's because it's a quilt and quilt is women's work that people just think, oh, we must be so patient, or you must be, you know, like. Yeah. A lunatic to like want to cut, you know, <laughs> take that long with, you know, with, with fabric. But, you know, we, we all cherish the, the act of creation for its own sake. We enjoy that. That, that fits us. And I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't judge anyone. I mean, I think it's wonderful mm-hmm. to, to work quickly. I think it's wonderful to find your pace, to find what it is that you love in quilt making and in textiles. You know, there's just so many of us. And I think that's, you know, that's brilliant. That's the great part. We don't have to, you know, if you want, work as fast as you can and if I want to yep. take a really long time we're still sisters <laughs> and textiles you know it's it's true there's so many different ways you can be a quilt maker that you can find the way that works for you absolutely um, i do i think your book is just fantastic for people Thank who you. want to explore um those very, very interesting fabrics. In the store right now, what is the fabric line of yours that's available, the most recent oh, one? Right now, and in in, within a month, in February, Benertex is mm-hmm. releasing um, an, uh, a fabric called Kismet. Mm-hmm. Um, now, right now, if you don't mind my promoting myself just a little bit, because it's my oh. first ever. I've never done anything like this before. Mm-hmm. But I started, it opened yesterday. I have a two-week online um, pop-up shop from mm-hmm. Yesterday, the 15th to the 28th in, 19, in, in 2017, only in mm-hmm. January for two weeks, my daughter is actually uh, my shipping department and my manager, <laughs> and um, we have the book uh, at, a, at a good price with a, my signature. We're selling all of the SKUs of um, Kismet, and I have a new Aurafil collection, my first. And so if anybody wants to go to paulanadelstern.com, N-A-D-E-L-S-T-E-R-N, which, by the way, translates in German into Needle Star, which well, is an interesting story because when yes. I te- have taught in Germany, uh, the women have very politely come up to me and said, did you make up your last name? Because oh. they hear me saying, hello, I'm Paula the Needle Star. Yes. <laughs> it actually was obviously my husband's family's name. So if people would visit the pop-up shop, I would be very grateful. Yeah, we'll have to give your daughter some work, you know. We don't want her yes. sitting around with nothing to do, right? Poor, poor daughter. Poor, no, she is sitting there waiting for you, for you to cut. She's learned how to cut fabric, and she's ready to slice it, and we're all set to go. We had a lot of now, fun listening to music and doing it yesterday, setting it all up. Now, Paula, in your own personal collection, are you still buying other fabrics and using them besides your own fabric lines? Yeah, I'm looking – I'm in the – if anyone's interested, but also on that website, there is a guide to the New York City Garment District. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I still look, walk, wander through the Garment District. I'm in shops all the time. And I'm definitely looking for, I love to find different fabrics to, um, to connect to each other. It's only in my most, my two or three less quilts that I only used my own. And when mm-hmm. I say my quilts, my art quilts, I kind of have a, a, 
you know, commercial quilts that I do for Benertex and that I do for the book. Mm-hmm. And um, right. then I have a series of, um, it's called uh, Kaleidoscopic Quilts, mm-hmm. that I'm up to, I'm, I'm now working on number 41 in the series, which is, um, my is inspired by the, um, the, Old Prague synagogue ceiling. I looked up when I was in Prague, and and that ceiling just was pattern on pattern. I love pattern, obviously, mm-hmm. and I just so I'm I'm making a quilt. Uh, it's going to take me over a year. I've already been working on it since last summer, and in between trips and in between what I'm doing, mostly in the summer, is my time to work on my kaleidoscopic quilts. And everyone can see that also on my website. There's a gallery, and you can see all the quilts and the transition from the first to um, the one I'm working on now. I mean, it must be, um, I've worked in series, but never that many, you know, I might do five or six and sort of, you know, work a method. Uh, but do you, did you ever think you'd do 41? (laughs) No, I didn't, you know, I have an, uh, I was an occupational therapist. I don't have an art background. Um, I never went to art school. And I think the this, I did not understand how important it was going to be, what a gift I was going to be giving myself to work in a series. Because when you work in a series, I have found, this is with hindsight, the questions you ask yourself get more complex, but the answers essentially get simpler. So, um, you know, you, you get these, these perks, these, this, this one, like all of a sudden you've been percolating really with an idea that you can't resolve or you didn't even realize you were thinking about. And then, you know the answer. You just know something new because you've been working in this series. And, and I'm constantly, like in the 41, like quilts, like, you know, I'll go back to, and revisit an idea but take it, like, in another direction. And then I'll, you know, and, I'm, and I think that's the gift of working in a series. You know, until I was doing that, I thought I would dabble you know, and learn to mm-hmm. make a little bit of everything. And then I hit this kaleidoscope idea that I, you know, I didn't, when I made that first one, I didn't think I'd be doing it for the next 30 <laughs> years, 25 years. I thought, but then there was that what if question. Well, what if I take that idea and I just add this to it? And, you know, like, you know, what mm-hmm. I, when somebody asks me, um, like, how long, like, how long did it take? Meaning how long does that, did it make, take to make that mm-hmm. quilt? If I think the person won't think I'm too obnoxious, my real true answer is my whole life because oh. I feel that I'm bringing to the table everything I know, you know everything I've, I've designed, everything i made up, everything I've invented, everything yeah. for the past 30 years of making kaleidoscopes is coming with me. Thanks. And I couldn't yeah. make this quilt if I hadn't made those. You know, Paula, this has been fascinating. Thank and you. I am so happy that I could get hold of you to come on today. Well, it was a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Everybody Thanks. visit Paula Nadelstern at her site and take a look at that pop-up shop uh, while you can. Uh, thank you, Paula. Thank you, Pat. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We'll be right back after the break, and I'm going to do a Q&A. I've got a whole list of questions. Looking for fresh, simple, and fun projects and ideas? Check out the current issue of Quilts and More magazine at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash APQ magazine. See our editors share their tips, ideas, and techniques by visiting allpeoplequilt.com and clicking on videos. 
see what other quilters are up to on the American Patchwork and Quilting page on Facebook. Simply go to Facebook.com and search for APQ Magazine. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. And at the end of December, I did a... Well, I did a whole show where I came on and I broke up each segment into something a little bit different and unique, and uh, you all liked it a lot. So this is a ongoing series, and I'm going to focus on pretty much on Q&A and, uh, you know, questions and answers uh, from questions from you, answers from me, or some research I've done, and then talk a little bit about some tools and um, what Moda is doing out there as our sponsor. So Penny asked me um, on my Facebook group, this first group of these are the Quilt Along with Pat Sloan Facebook group, and Penny asked, you know, what colors do I find myself gravitating to right now? And, you know, this is always an interesting thing because as a quilt maker and as a person, I mean, I talk to a lot of designers for this show, uh, for a lot of other things that I'm doing. And so I'm always seeing fabric and fabric combinations that are different than what I, I do. And one of the things that I'm, I'm realizing I haven't used a lot of recently is kind of different shades of yellow or different shades of gold, um, which happens to be actually my first favorite color as a little, little kid which um, a lot of people don't like the color yellow for some reason but I do uh, and I've not been playing with that as much but I corrected that when I did the baby lock uh, love of sewing challenge that's on my website right now January 16th 2017 and I have a whole quilt full of yellow using Deb Strain's uh, bee fabric it's so neat and the setting of Sandy Klopp's golden golden yellow so yellow is something I'm trying to pop into things a little bit more um, in the future so Janice asked me what is my best advice for beginners and you know in my um, quilt along group there are, I have close to 80,000 people. And so there's a large number of people who are just starting to quilt or just learning to quilt or just getting back into quilting. And there's a couple of things that if you get this nailed down right away, you will save yourself a lot of problems. Um, one is to understand and get a consistent quarter inch uh, seam on your patchwork. Um, you need to have a test on, on my website, a tutorial that shows you how to take two squares, measure them, sew them together, and remeasure so that you know whether your quarter inch is correct. And if it's not correct, then, you know, you need to move the needle or do whatever you have to do to get it correct. The other thing is to take some time to understand block construction because the reason why you have to have an accurate quarter inch seam is because if you don't, your blocks don't go together correctly. Uh, and a lot of people figure this out when they get to the end and the block's all weird, but you can figure that out as you go. If you sew two units together, you can measure them and know what the size is supposed to be. And so there's a whole, you know, a whole lot of things you can do like that. But that's really, really important that you get that locked down early and understand it. So another question, sorry, I have to have a cough drop. So you're going to hear me having my cough drop because I'm still not 100%. <clears throat> but 
but that's the way it is. So Betty asked me, can you sharpen a seam ripper? Now that's fascinating because seam rippers do dull. I've had them dull. Um, all, actually, you know, if you do those things for like measuring and knowing blocks and all that, maybe you don't have to use your seam ripper as much, but you know, that's not really the ultimate answer, is it? Um, so I did a little research and I went out and found out that you actually can sharpen a seam ripper. Now, if you have an inexpensive seam ripper, um, you could probably just, you know, get a new one. That might be good. But if you have one that's, you know, handmade or special in some reason, for some reason, I saw that Amy Friend of During Quiet Time wrote an article about um, seam rippers. And what Amy wrote is that her husband makes um, of handcrafted seam rippers as a hobby. He does a few every so often. But he, she asked him about sharpening them. And he said that you can get a set of fine needle files and that you actually can sharpen your seam ripper. And if you go to DuringQuietTime.com and um, search in uh, September of 2013, she has an article about that. And he actually shows the little file and how you can um, how you can adjust that. So let's see. What's another question from online? How do I motivate myself to finish a quilt was asked by Marsha and Nancy. Well, you know, well, deadlines are always good. You know, give yourself a deadline, whether it's because you really have one or just to keep you motivated. So, you know, those are always motivating, but sometimes it doesn't work, right? You know, you give yourself a deadline and you're like, okay, well, I don't need to work on it, so I'm just not going to. So there are, there are other ways. Um, I find that doing challenges, you know, working with somebody else to, um, or a group of people. So like right now we have, um, American Patchwork and Clothing has a UFO challenge. Like you pick 12 UFOs and then they'll announce every month what would one of the UFOs be to work on, uh, unfinished objects for you that don't know what a UFO is, an unfinished project. And then you work on it. You know, um, I'm trying to do ones that, that are close to being done. You know, maybe they need some quilting done on them. I actually don't have any just waiting for binding, so that's good. But working and challenging yourself with a group of people makes you accountable. If you've told, I don't know, 50,000 people on a Facebook group that you're going to work on this project this month and get it done or move it forward, that's a pretty good motivator if you keep checking on each other and doing a status. Um, so American Patchwork and Quilting also has a Facebook group, so that you can actually do that. You can go in there or you could just do it in my group. Um, which are, you know, great ways to keep moving. I also did a little project tracking sheet on my January 9th, uh, 2017 post at my website where you could download a list and you could, you know, write down all the things you have. You know, sometimes, you know, being motivated, this sort of a segue, but if you have a project and you're not working on it, why aren't you working on it? Is it because you don't really care for it anymore? Should it go live with somebody else? Should you not have it being guilty there? Or is it maybe your skill sets got sort of, um, you got stuck maybe with your skills at a certain point in working on it and have you, have your skills improved now? So maybe when you pull it out, you can go like, oh wow, 
this is a lot easier than I thought. I, I've learned a lot more now. Now I can tackle this part of that quilt that, that I wasn't motivated to work on before. Maybe the colors uh, don't inspire you anymore. Is there, can you change something? Maybe it had sashing set with it, and you're like, you know, that sashing is not it anymore, so I'm going to, um, you know, if you change the sashing, maybe then you get re-excited about the work and lay it out again. Share it with other people and see if that helps you sort of move forward. Now, I did have another question that I actually um, – told you about on my January 14th post, which was um, for the Orifil Designer of the Month, where it's for applique. Uh, people are asking me, you know, how do you prevent a fabric from shadowing or showing through, like a backing fabric that has a print? How do you keep it from showing through a lighter colored applique that's sitting on top of it? There's two things. You could applique it and then cut away so that that background fabric is no longer underneath the applique shape, which a lot of hand quilters do because um, they uh, will be hand quilting through a shape, and they don't, that's one layer of fabric they don't want to hand quilt through, that extra layer. But because I'm a machine quilter, um, I don't need to do that. But what works for me is that I will actually take and make a duplicate of the same applique shape and make it in uh, a white fabric or a muslin, and I put that down first. And then I put the real applique shape on top of it. That way, and I'm fusing this because I'm doing this um, machine applique too. And that way you have a barrier underneath the lighter fabric, and you won't see the darker or the printed fabric showing through. It works super well. So I took a little cruise around the Moda blog to see what was uh, going on over there. Um, and they had two different articles that I thought were really kind of neat. The first one is was December 22nd, 2016, and it's talking about templates. Um, and I think a lot of quilters who are used to doing patchwork with a ruler – where you're cutting strips or squares or cutting units to make it even half square triangles. The thought of a template, um, you know, makes you hyperventilate. You know, you're just like, ah, I can't do that. But templates have been around a long time, and one of the things they do for you is they give you more control, um, such as like the work Paula Nadelstern was talking about where she wants to fussy cut or shade things or do the things that she's doing if she's got a template uh, which she does use in a lot of her work. Um, she's able to get the exact positioning of a piece of, on a piece of fabric. There are also certain um, shapes like um, a Dresden plate where that triangular shape unit, it's a lot easier to cut it if you have a template. Um, and, you know, there are specialty rulers that do the same, but what um, Amoda did on their website was go through a series of te newer templates that have come out. Um, I just love the one called the Double Wide Dresden Ruler by me and my sister designs. It is, it is so fun. It's like a, a, a wide Dresden plate um, ruler, and I'm going to be playing with that one soon. I know it. Uh, the the um, 
So Emma uh, company has put out a whole series of like melon shapes for orange peel designs, which is another super favorite of mine because to get those all to look exactly the same, uh, it's easier to have a template to draw around for your applique versus um, a sheet that you're tracing. And there's a few others like Jen Kingwell, who does a lot of unique shapes. She has a whole series of fun templates in order to produce those. And the other article that I really enjoyed reading was about aprons, um, you know, the history of aprons. But really the, the fun part is that Janet Clare, if you've met Janet, you've seen that she has what she calls her work apron. It's an artisan apron, and she it's in a sort of a heavier um, duck cloth type um material but she's been embroidering on it with her artwork and with sayings um and making it super unique and creative um i just love like this little quotes authenticity is a magnet and then she has um you know don't feed the bad wolf which is just you know her artwork and it's so funny she has pieces on the back and pieces on the front and they have all these great photos of it with her wearing it showing it to you, you know, right up cl- up close. Plus that you can see her new fabric line called Albaid that is out in the stores now called A Song to the Dawn. It's just gorgeous. Well, anyways, that's uh, what's going on for the Q&A. If you have a question, you can always email me, um, pat at patsloan.com, and I will plug it in for the next Q&A session. Uh, and check out the new things going on over at Moda by going to their blog, um, blog.modafabrics.com. And you can also see what they're doing at their Facebook page. They share lots of things there. Allpeoplequilt.com is where you go for American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine, and you can sign up for their newsletter. But just check around. There's lots of tutorials, and there's all the peeks into the current issues of the magazines. And then visit me, patsloan.com. See you next time. Remember to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.